Hey there, it's Rob. We are so excited to finally get to chapter 15. It's a big one. It's essentially our mid-season finale, as our players are about to get their hands on some actual information about themselves and each other. It ends up being a turning point that shakes up and defines some of the relationships here for quite a while. I hope you enjoy. Uh, Just two quick things before we start. Number one, we want to send out a special thanks to our newest supporter on Patreon, Michael. Thank you, Michael. And number two, please stick around right after the episode for a little bit more from me on where this episode fits into the story of us making this podcast. Till then, here we go. Chapter 15. Welcome back to Dark Nexus. Tonight, Act 1, Chapter 15. Wow. Last week, we We sort of cleared out the wing of doctor's offices, learned that the Ratlings appeared to have boogied out, and we ended right on the threshold of Dr. Lissandra's office, and I want to pick right back up there. Grip opens that door, and we see this massive chamber. It's nearly 100 feet long, about 50 feet wide. There is yellow fog soundlessly roiling against the cathedral-like windows of this huge two-story office. The ground floor has overstuffed furnishings, elegant side tables, an altar-like desk of dark marble. There's a delicate spiral staircase and a balcony of dark iron around a lofty library overhead. Very opulent room here. And of course, as before, the center of the room is a 30-foot-wide pool of blood about an inch deep and a 15-foot-wide hemisphere of rainbow fog, which is being developed and dissolving at the exact same rate. Is there a check to be made about what we're looking at? Or insanity? (laughs) Arcana or planes or... Give me a planes check. 23? You have very little information to operate from as you first lay eyes on it, but the sight of this murky substance sparkling and flashing with rainbow colors makes you think back to some of that pondering you were doing about what is the nature of the dimension of dreams, what does that consist of, how does it function, where does it live, and this is sort of pinging in your mind a notion of this might be actual dream stuff in some sort of mist-like form. That's about what you can know based on what you see. Whose fucking dream is this? (laughs) Yours. (laughs) All right, what do we do? I'm going to walk in. Grip walks in. I'll follow Grip. I'll follow Ray. Is the consistency of blood similar to what you saw yesterday? Yep. Yes. So the blood is, like, wet. Yes, and it seems to be... Is it still? Is it... It's slick and wet, as though it was newly... Like it it was just spilled. Like it was just spilled, but... Freshly spilled. (laughs) Obviously, it was spilled before 
Gulliver was there over a day ago. Could it be another haunt? Is there any way to know that? One way to know that would be to activate use <laughs> Detect Undead. That's uh, what I'm going to do. Great. While he's doing that, I will detect psychic significance to see if there's anything in a safe area of this office that might warrant investigation. What's the range on that? 40 foot radius centered on me. Okay. You can basically, with that radius, pick up the western half of this room. You would pick up some items of minor significance, but nothing nothing of note, but you really can't. Those senses aren't going to extend to the other half of the room where the fancy desk is and where the fancy bookshelves are from where you're at. And is there a way to that side of the room without going through the fog? If you don't want to touch either fog or blood, you'd have to climb over the mantle of the fireplace. Uh-huh. You could avoid the fog by stepping through the blood if you wish to. Wow, what How an option. This is blood, this is fog? The center is fog. Okay, Outside I, I, is blood. I had a, a, a fog is bleeding. You're going to cast Detect Undead, my friend? That's right. So I've, that's a 60-foot cone-shaped emanation. So you open up your senses and you cast your senses in a wave across the room and you don't pick up any signs of the undead or haunts or even lingering auras of undead as you kind of do your little spin around and that that sense extends down into the hallway through which you came. You probably pick up like lingering traces of the rotting, you know, baby corpses and stuff, but yeah. nothing in this room. Right. How about detect magic? Mm. This can't be a magical effect. And how far does that extend? 60 feet, cone-shaped emanation. You are picking up some thin, faint magical auras probably coming from inside the desk, but you can't read much about them because they are clearly inside the desk, but you can tell, like, seeping out of the cracks of the shelves and the drawers on the desk, there's, like, little pockets of magical pulsing light. Is there anything we can jigger to make the climb over the mantle easier? Drag a desk over, or... You know what just occurs to me now? So you've got this balcony extending around the upper floor, which is all bookshelves. You could probably stand on a desk and pull yourself up onto the second floor and walk across the balcony and come down the spiral stairs. Oh, shit. And could someone aid someone in doing that? They sure could. <laughs> or if, say, Grip went up first, he could just yeah. pull you up. Why don't we do that? That sounds yeah, like a fine idea, dude. I don't want to step through that shape. And have we searched the desks that are not in the blood? Or there's one? There's one desk that is not in blood. You give it a, a look over, and it seems as though it had not been used. It was probably a decorative desk. desk for visitors to use. So we would climb up... Just like up there's, this wall here? Or, or any, any, there's balconies. You could go up that desk that's out of the blood, just pull yourself up to the balcony on the western wall, and then make your way either on the north side or the south side over to the spiral staircase, which is uh, way far on the east wall, and come down next to the fancy desk if you yes. wish. I will hoist myself up and then offer to help anyone who needs Great. Uh, Thank yeah. you. So that second story thing is low enough that this is this wouldn't be difficult at all. Grip can muscle his way up, pull you, the rest of you up that want to be pulled. Gulliver probably goes up on his own, make your way along the balcony and come <laughs> oh, down. Oh, touch my hand! Touch it! <laughs> so on the east side of the room... In addition to the fancy desk, there is a bookshelf that has a glass front and a clearly locked lock mechanism on it. There seems to be fancy stuff in there we can investigate. And there is another door on the south wall that exits into an area you have not yet explored. Do we Gull, want to go around this Gull way? wants to check the, uh, the locked cabinet. Give me a perception check. For traps is 23, just regular is 22. All right, it's not trapped, but it is locked. 
28. Pull out your lock picks, and, and after just a few seconds of fiddling around with that lock, you pop it open. It is filled with really fancy books, a few of which seem to be set. So there's a collection of three large, very thick, very tall, very old-looking books that are on a shelf of their own that seem significant. One is called On the Treatment of Ambitions, Disappointments, and Regrets by Dr. Borigmund Trice. <gasps> On Violent Sands by Dr. Henri Mertmain. <laughs> and a signed copy of Alison Kindler's Galdice's Guest, colon, Feast of the Nosferatu. In addition to those, there's a whole bunch of other books that seem interesting, less noteworthy, a whole bunch of fascinating curios from all over the world, uh, brain-shaped sculpted wooden boxes, bookends depicting twin screaming and crying figures, a brass sculpture of an Assyrian pyramid, and you can guess that you could pull together maybe about two or three hundred gold pieces for this set of stuff if you found a place to sell it. Dr. Trice. That's the name Erwin mentioned. The night he disappeared is the, is the night that she claims you threatened her and her family, Grip. I had forgotten that detail. I forget nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's very true. In addition to that, there is the desk, which is also locked, and then that door to the south, which is also locked, and then, of course, the blood and fog. Desk. Lock. Checking. 18 or 17? Doesn't seem to be trapped. Mm, 20. Disabled device. Again, you're getting pretty fancy with those lockpicks. It just takes a couple of seconds there. And you pop open the desk, and in the drawer where Ray had detected magical auras, you find a small trove of fancy stuff. There's a magnifying glass, two vials of alchemist's kindness, a vial of smelling salts, two vials of soothe syrup, four doses of antitoxin, two doses of opium, and then three scrolls, a candle that's radiating magic, incense that's radiating a magical aura, a bead on a thin silver chain that's radiating magic, and a braided leather cord with two beads on it, both of which are radiating magic. The first thing is the scrolls, and we know... What's your spellcraft bonus? Plus six. Okay. So you can just take enough time to decipher the scroll. It's a scroll of Fox's Cunning. The other two scrolls are Remove Paralysis. Mm. And do you want to make a spellcraft check on the rest of the items there? Yes. Great. Natural one. (laughs) (laughs) They are magical. That die is going away for the rest of the game. Excellent. So you aren't sure what the incense does. You can give me a check on the bead on the thin silver chain. Uh, 14. Unknown. And a check on the first bead on the leather cord. 12. Unknown. And the second bead. 21. So the second bead on the leather cord is a lesser talisman of warrior's courage. It bears the names of mighty fearless warriors and symbols of power and martial prowess. If you're wearing this necklace with this bead on it, the first time the wearer would gain the frightened or panicked condition, 
they instead gain the shaken condition. The first time, but then is that everything? Then sing- it dissolves. It, oh, it's cool. a one-use item. Well, that seems that like seems a like very- a grip thing, and maybe the other bead is some other sort of protection that I just can't figure out. Right now, now, this is a, this is a necklace. The way talismans work, you are allowed to have one necklace with up to three beads on it. So you can wear this cord with the two beads on it in your necklace slot and have both items operate. I've I've got an amulet of natural armor that I don't feel like I want to get rid of. You won't be able to benefit from both at the same time. Isn't that useful for you? Well, I have a high will save. Right, but if you fail your will save and you have a fear effect, then you can't. Yep. It's really hard to cast spells then. Dora, will you wear this for now, Chris? Thank you. Katie. Yeah. Since we don't know what the other bead does, yeah. can you help me remember that you have an unidentified bead on you when you enter combat? And I will... Because it works whether I know what it is or not, right? Yeah, that is true. What is Alchemist's Kindness? Sure, let me pull this up here real quick. Alchemist's Kindness mixed with water makes a fizzing cocktail that eliminates the effects of hangovers. <laughs> Smelling salts... Grant you a new saving throw to resist any spell or effect that has already rendered you unconscious or staggered. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. If exposed to smelling salts while dying, you immediately become conscious and staggered, but you must still make stabilization checks each round, and you still take the damage for strenuous action. A container of smelling salts has dozens of uses if stoppered after each use. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. Soothe syrup is a sweet and wholesome tasting blue liquid that creates a sense of warmth and comfort. It coats your stomach and makes it much more difficult for you to succumb to queasiness. For one hour after drinking it, you gain a plus five alchemical bonus on saves made to resist effects that would make you nauseated or sickened. That's pretty cool. There's two vials of that. There are four doses of antitoxin. If you drink that, you get a plus five alchemical bonus on fort saves against poison for an hour. Shall we all take one of those? There's two doses of opium, and then those scrolls, and then you have, what, an unidentified candle, unidentified incense. I don't think I rolled on the candle. I don't think you did either. I think you went straight to the incense. Oh, okay. Roll it up. That was a 19 on the die. Great. 25. It's a boysenberry Yankee candle. (laughs) You only just got it. Wow. Whoa. This is a candle of spirit protection. Crafted from collected ectoplasm and wax, they ward off creatures from the spirit world. To function, you have to place it in a desired area. When it's lit, fine lines of smoke coil out, creating a circular line of smoke in a 10-foot radius around the candle. The area is protected against intrusion by astrally projected creatures, ethereal creatures, haunts, incorporeal creatures, mediums channeling a spirit, and phantoms and, at my discretion, other creatures of the spirit world. (laughs) Such creatures cannot enter the effect. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. What's the... uh, Burns uh, for one hour. Fox is cunning. What kind of spell is that? This is an arcane scroll. So, we just feed it to the rattlings, yeah. (laughs) There's nobody that can use it. Uh, But remove paralysis is a divine spell, yeah? Mm Mm-hmm, it's divine. Then, if we... Have we distributed those things we want no. to distribute there? So you should take the two scrolls of remove paralysis. Yes. Um, I'll take the magnifying glass if no one else wants to carry it. And it does something. It does? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds it like something do. an investigator would have. 
An investigator, you say? Do you want to take the alchemist's kindness as well? I mean, out of the four of us, who is the one most likely needing to hang out over cure? Well, I'm just thinking he can distribute cures and Yeah, things. I'm kind of the cure guy. Guess what the magnifying glass affects? Praise checks. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I smash it. <laughs> well, can we switch it so that it aids perception? I feel like that would actually be really useful when you're like detecting for traps or something like that. I'll like, give you that. Like if you were plus gonna... one circumstance bonus on perception checks to check for traps. Let's do that. Make sure you Sweet. write that down on the sheet because we won't find that anywhere else. Because yeah. I just made that <laughs> I'll up. Never remember. Now, who's you've got the haversack? Yes. So I say we put the unidentified items in the haversack so that they're on someone's sheet. Yeah. So who took, you took the soothe syrup? I took the soothe syrup, the two alchemical kindness. I feel like I should have the smelling salts. Take them. Mm-hmm. And I've got one antitoxin, two opiums, and a magnifying glass. What was the tome of, like, desperate sadness and shame? <laughs> <laughs> on the treatment of ambitions... Oh. Disappointments and regrets. Yeah, are all those and that's actually the one, by, the, uh, that's by the one Dr. by Dr. Trice. Yeah, are all those going to go into the uh, handy haversack as well? Yeah, just put like Dr. Lissandro's books. Are we taking books. the trinkets? Why don't you write down 200 gold pieces worth of trinkets, and if you can get to a place that you can yeah. sell them, we can deal with that. That's that's separate from the three books. Yeah. Correct. Of so the other thing that you find in this locked desk is Administrator Lissandro's journal oh. a sprawling record of her daily duties and observations bingo and as you pour through it you find it to be largely mundane mostly filled with notes from staff meetings and interviews with the families of would-be patients but an entry is written during the last year you see the names Hazerton Lowell's and Count Lowell's appear with increasing regularity how do you how do you spell that L-O-W-L-S Knowledge local check, my buddy? Yes. 13 plus 7, 20 plus inspiration, 21. You put that name together as the Count of Versex County, who Winter had mentioned but hadn't named before. His full name is awesome. It is Count Hazerton Pragmus Lowell's IV. Pragmus. And there are four entries that seem of particular interest to you, and I've got a little handout for you. Now, the way she arranged her journal here, she did not date things specifically, so you'll sort of see how this is. What is it written in? Tell Dane. Tell Dane. Should I read this, or should somebody? Let's pass it around. There's four entries for people. Uh, An oath day sometime around a year ago, another unexpected call from Count Lowell. These have become so common. And Lowell's focus is so singular that they no longer leave me apprehensive. He requested to see me after his visit with Zandalus, though. He claims to have a theoretical solution for the poor man's condition, but what it is, Lowell's refused to share. I doubt that lordly amateur psychologist has truly hit upon anything of worth. Regardless, I'd be a fool not to humor my lead. A star day sometime a few months ago, perhaps. Lowell's solution was not at all what I expected. I have no clue where he turned it up, but on his most recent visit, he brought along a copy of Valhadis's The Chain of Knights, a near-legendary collection of psycho-arcane studies and treatments focused on dreaming, while I abhor arcane tampering if there is a permanent solution to Zandalus's nightmares. 
It could be here. Lourdes allowed me to study the text for the duration of his visit, but staunchly refused to leave it in my possession. A moon day as recent as a few weeks ago. Lowell's has made me an offer, his copy of The Chain of Knights. All I must do in return is accept a handful of new patients, former associates of his that have suffered some unprecedented manner of group amnesia. The terms make me suspicious, but I can learn more of these curious strangers once they're in my care. If it means the possibility of a cure for Zandalus and others, I welcome the bargain. A toil day likely last week. The chain of knights is a marvel. It will take years of study to unravel all its possibilities, but already I've discovered a process by which chronic dreams might be drawn forth and disposed of like psychic gristle. Tomorrow, our experiment begins. Oh, my. So, Lissandro was given a copy of this book in exchange for taking what is likely fucking us, right? Yes. Yeah. Psycho Arcane... Was that book one of the three that we saw? No. Okay. No, no. That's the book that came up in Gulliver's dream. Where he was told to chain the knight. He was thinking that he had to get to the Syncomacti School of Sciences because he had to chain the knight. You all realize later that that was probably reference to this book, Chain of Knights. And then Lowell's gave Lissandro the Chain of Knights in exchange for taking, possibly, you in her care. All of this to the end of curing Zandalus of his ongoing problems. By Which means, are nightmares. By means of apparently, according to that last entry, somehow extracting them and drawing them forth. So, and Winter told us that the reason Lissandra couldn't meet with her right away was because she had some fucking thing to do in her study. Yes. Which then... So, Chain of Knights is some kind of ritual. Ritual, yeah. A cult ritual, which I've been reading a lot about lately. <laughs> um, that she didn't really know what it was going to do. Oh, boy. You can't see this right now, but Rob is playing very good <laughs> poker face with us. <laughs> with a shit-eating grin. Yeah. With a giant shit-eating grin on it. Well, I'm confident in my timeline. I'm not confident in what the Chain of Knights is, but... And you can absolutely, based on the fact that we have located ourselves by date, yeah, we can definitively determine that that toil day is the day before the earthquake. Dora, can you uh, like do that thing where you tap into the place and see what it means? Not today, I'm afraid. I could do it tomorrow. Grip is going to. Uh, he's looking at the. He's looking at the. The rainbow is looking at the blood, and it's like it's like it's like churning, right? It's yes. like a constantly billowing forth and constantly dissipating, but never getting any bigger. So never getting any bigger, but it's or the, smaller, or thinner, or thicker. It's just perfectly. And thick. that's the rainbow part that's doing yes. that. The yes. pool is the pool. So he's, you just you, you guys, you see him. He's staring at it, and he looks at the bookcase. He looks at the thing, and he looks at the bookcase. He goes up. He picks up one of the one, just one of the regular books. Sure. And throws it into the rainbow. <gasps> Give me an attack roll. Uh, 21. It's going to drop from the ceiling onto his head, just like a poltergeist. <laughs> so the book phew, soars through the air, goes into the rainbow mist and disappears, and 
hits something and then clatters with a wet splat to the floor in the center of the rainbow fog. So, so it sounds like it hit something that we couldn't see that's obscured by the fog. And, in but the then direct we heard it center. In, and then we heard it fall into the, into what the we assume is the blood. Yes, there's something in the center of that fog that you just hit with a book. Was there any sense of something hard, like something cushioned, something squelchy, something... It was not a hard surface, and it was not a squishy surface, so something on the realm of so- soft and pliant, <laughs> but not squishy. <laughs> Trying to be as... Could you be a little clearer? <laughs> be as specific as I can Clear with as the little mud. information you have. Does it sound... But you know it's like, for example, it's not like a metal object or a stone object, and it's also not some sort of, like, puddle of sponge. Um, um, does it, a, a person, does it, maybe? Yeah. Maybe a person. Like Dr. Sandro? I don't Gulliver know. I haven't like, been in the fog. I don't know totally what's in Dr. there. We'll tie a rope to you, and you just... No, sorry. <laughs> have a rope. I was going to say, yeah, show me a... Let me see your sheet. <laughs> <laughs> show me that. We would have used know. a rope a long time ago if we had a rope. <laughs> oh, dear. This is a lot to take in. That that thing is very scary. And so it seemed like it was like would have Dead been center. here. Yes, exactly. The center square I, of the... I take another book. Yeah. And I, my, my goal is to throw it across the room, but like through those squares. You want to sort of use a few books to triangulate. Are there yeah, multiple things in there? I want to try to, try to see if, or, or see if, if, there's a, if there's places where it can go through and not hit anything. But yeah, try to, trying to get a sense. Sure. So you, you're just <laughs> moving, hurling books through there. And you determine definitively that there is... Something in the center of it, but nothing in those outside squares. Like just, just the dead center. It's the most use I've had for books in my whole fucking life. Please stop <laughs> throwing books into the blood. <laughs> Gulliver holds up a vial of alchemist's fire and looks. His head is cocked now. <laughs> Wait, so you think Lissandra's in there and your plan is to kill her? Is that, is, that what I'm, is that what I'm understanding here? Well, I don't know. I don't know if that means. Well, I don't know if she's been changed or. Sure. But I'm just. Wondering. Seeing you do that, I'm going to just put one hand on your shoulder. Flinch. No, no. Gesture <laughs> towards your shoulder. Place my other hand towards the center of the room and send a burst of positive energy. Could you get Grip in there? He's just down two hit points. To- yes. Yeah. It's 30 foot radius. <laughs> I'm looking for, out for three you. points. <laughs> Appreciate it. Okay. Uh, there's no response. Nothing happens. The no, fog except- doesn't move. The nope. blood doesn't move. Nothing. No, but Grip. Appeals Do I um does that take care of the two points of Yes, they're gone. Non-lethal. I could attempt to take some time here to answer a question. We have one. Like, can we enter the pool of blood or the fog? But I'd need an hour, some paper and a pen. Was this automatic writing? That's a yes or no question. Well, there's plenty it's of paper. A wheel and pen. or woe question. It's a, is this action positive or negative? Or is it likely to bring a positive result or yes. a negative result? Mm. I mean, or we could just keep throwing books in it. But that's about what I've got, other than general knowledge checks, which I've made. Gulliver is a scaredy, scaredy, scaredy cat who does not want to go into the giant rainbow of unicorn death. <laughs> the giant but rainbow could, of unicorn death. If we could, if her body is in there, or she is in there, collecting her might... Prove fruitful one way or another. You want to head in? 
No, I want to do the fucking automatic writing to find out if we should. I think that, that sounds like worth an hour. Yes, I agree. Sure. But let's play that hour out in real time. <laughs> <laughs> and so the check is made to read the writing and attempt to decipher it. So I, a burst of insight would be fair game on this. Yes. Just before. Yes, it would. So there are three of you keep watch as Dora sits down, pulls out some of Dr. Lissandro's papers. At the desk. Dips it. I'm going to do push. Dips an ink uh, pen into her inkwell and just starts writing for an hour, whispering to the paper, I imagine. Yeah. And at the end of this... Her eyes roll back in her head just yes, a little bit. Yes, And at the end of this hour, she attempts a linguistics check to decipher the meanings of the gibberish she writes for an hour on the page and tell you whether a particular action will bring good or bad results for you in the immediate future. A particular future. action is someone going into this Should altar. we enter the fog and blood? Well, no. No. It's not a yes it's or no a question. Yes or no, it's wheel or woe. Will it bring good or bad results? Yeah, so. And what are you thinking? Good result is Dr. Lissandro can be brought out. Okay. Now, in this fantasy, Dr. Lissandro is just like unconscious and not a fucking doppelganger or a ghoul. We can learn more about what happened here and how to stop it if we have her. So in your mind, a good result would somehow involve helping Dr. Lissandro or giving you more information on what's happened here. A bad result would essentially would result in- walking into this thing and catching on fire. Right, and it need to nothing but pain and- Yes. Okay. okay. Perhaps okay. your blood joins the blood of the <laughs> Yeah, that, that kind of thing. I okay, great. Think is it this. just a trap? Yeah, yeah, so let's let's be thinking as we go forward with this kind of automatic yeah. writing, I will want you to give me a framing for good or bad, because sometimes yeah. this spell gets a little gets dumb. Wonky. I'm yeah. like, well, I don't know. Yeah. To me, this is, uh, <laughs> is there something in there we need, and can we get it if we go in there, or is it going to kill us? And can I get a guidance? You can. Zoom guidance. Natural 20. Yeah. Oh, That's fantastic. a 34. The spirits are with us. I'm going to see if this percentage check to see if you get a meaningful reply. You've written the great Eustilivian novel. <laughs> As you're poring over what you wrote and trying to decipher it, you get a sense of both weal and woe, as though entering that is probably dangerous, but that the possibility of one of your objectives being reached is possible. That's about all that spell can give you. It's a tricky spell. That's what I tell the others. So you get a sense of, yeah, it's probably not gonna be good, but maybe one of the things you indicated would be a positive result as a chance of happening. Well, we didn't come here not to crawl into the pool of blood and unicorn death explosion. Didn't we though? <laughs> um. We didn't choose to come here at all. This jackass Lowell's brought us here. Is there any other check to be made on Lowell's? Like, are we able to, we have, have to wait to level up on a, a local knowledge check on Lowell's? Well, you made one, didn't you? Was... No, I, I did, but... What sort of information are you looking for? Oh, I mean, I could make one today. Mm-hmm. I have that ability. Did you want to use that ability? Me... Yeah. Okay. I feel like that's worth it. I mean, part of my part of my thought is, is his image anything like yeah, any like of the people that we recognize in any of our dreams? Oh, okay. Yeah. That might be useful if you succeeded that check. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just making it a straight. I don't have any ranks in it, so it's just a straight plus four. And Once you have the ability that lets you make the check regardless. Once a day, I can make a knowledge check that I'm not trained in. Great. That's awesome. Yeah, I rolled pretty bad. So just a 10. 
I think the physical appearance of the ruler of one of the, whatever it is, 14 counties of Ustalov would be something you might know at that level of recall. And as you're pondering through the mists of your mind and trying to pull this information out, you're like, yeah, 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 he's about, he's about in his 50s or so. He's got a long charcoal beard. He wears these really weird glasses. He has this hat that nobody understands that makes him look like a total fucking dork ass. Um, (laughs) But in terms of more about his family history or stuff like that. Not not only is he Purple Specs Man, he's also the guy from your... Which then makes sense. As the count of Versex County, he would be the one who could appoint somebody, a sheriff or a lawman of some sort. Yep. Wow. That's way creepy. But then, if we were friends of his or worked with him, that means that he wasn't trying to, he was trying to get us back somehow. Or trying to get rid of us. But if he wanted to get rid of us, he could just kill us. If he brought us here to like a place where they're trying to like heal people and get them better and stuff like why would he want us to remember who we are I don't know I don't understand such things but it feels like he was trying to dump us here not to help us I don't think we have enough information should we try to pull her out ostensibly uh, her out of this rainbow unicorn fucking fog just save the game We can always, there, there's a door at the south. At the moment, I mean, you've been here now for over an hour, and the fog hasn't moved, the blood hasn't been disturbed. It just seems to be continuously going. And if we came back tomorrow, I could do a psychometric reading on the area, if we lived tomorrow. Yes. Uh, All which right. would give us more information before we risked anything. Right. I mean, the only idea I have is to just charge through the thing and try to push whatever is in there yes. through. It's not the most sophisticated of plans, I understand. Well, no, I, don't know I, I do kind of want to watch it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Johnny wants to watch it. Yeah. Gulliver, on the other hand, is like... Uh, I mean, all I, all I could offer you is a resistance. And a shield of faith. What's that Oh, and a, a sanctuary. And a sanctuary. I don't know much check, about that check spell. Check that but spell. It might be a personal spell. It mm-hmm. might have to be something that you can only do on yourself. But yeah, right. look that up. You got this, Ray. Um, yeah. Opponents can't attack you. You can't attack them. Look at t- target on Cre- the top. Creature touched. Okay, so you could give it to him. So that's protection from being attacked. As long as you don't attack somebody. As long as you don't attack someone, you can't be, be attacked. Like, would I be considered attacking whatever it is I'm running through and trying to bull rush? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is this is like if you want to walk in and like right. try to like check it out and stuff like that and mm-hmm. see what it is. It's not really how I work. No. But we could come back tomorrow and get more information. It's true. Yeah. This uh, other door to the south, it's... Well, let's check that out. Sure. Because we're, we're still early yeah. afternoon, right? Yeah. yeah. Do you want to do you want to I'll look at that door? I think yes. it was locked. Yeah. Yeah. Check it for traps. Great. Total of 20 bah, 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 26. Yeah, it's clean. A 20 disabled Ding. device. Snicked. You've got it open. You can poke your head out there, grip. Yeah. You open that door and you see a 50 foot long, 5 foot wide hallway stretching to the east. The first 25 feet or so are empty of doors, 
but there are two doors on the left-hand side of the hallway, two doors on the right-hand side, north and south, and one door at the end. This hallway is a single story tall, but there's some large cracks in the ceiling here, so there is some of that gross, partial yellow light seeping through above, so there's light in this hallway enough to sort of see by and going down. And that's what you see. I would be willing to lead the way down the hall. Okay. You got that, Ray. Going to murder you in your sleep. <laughs> Excellent. So you are going single file down this hallway. Looks like it's Ray, then Grip, then Dora, then Gull. You want to give me a perception check as you approach those first couple of doors there? Sure. Everyone is perfectly lined up for me to shoot them in the back. I detect Gull's thoughts. Eleven. <laughs> oh, I can detect thoughts. You could have detected thoughts. Oh, yeah. In the center of the fog. Hmm. Do you want to run back in to tank thoughts? Yeah, Dora just clambers past Gull. Wait a second, wait a second. All right, it is very quiet. The door immediately to your right on the south there says records room on it. The door to your left on the north wall there says personal effects storage on it. <gasps> Locks. You want to go up and check? Yeah. Which one, the effects or the room? The records, records first. You can do it, Gull. I believe in you. <laughs> is that your... Here, have some guidance. What's my phylactery doing now? <laughs> it's on Whatever fire you wanted to do, it. baby. <laughs> All right. Uh, 22. Is it perception? Yep. The door is not locked, but you do hear what sounds like somebody rifling through files in that room. You can hear like sound of like files being dumped on the ground, cabinets being opened, somebody's in there, I'm moving shit around. Should I kick that records office door down? <laughs> he seems keen. We could maybe take the fuckers by surprise. My chemical torch went off like now like an hour like an hour and a half ago. Yeah. Quite a considerable distance away from this location. So this quiet wing of the records hall is through the administrator's office through a whole other series of halls way back down by the conference room which is essentially right next to the nurse's station where you first fought Dr. Latchkey. Those are, oh, those wow. are, yeah, those are right next to each other there. Got it. Jerk. So quite a ways away. Yeah. Um, wait. I'm going to listen at the other doors real quick just to see what I can hear. Perception check. Uh, oh, total of uh, 11. Okay. You don't hear anything uh, at the other door there. Any other doors right there? Just give me one more check for maybe the rest of that hall. Uh, 20. Okay, that door that says personal effects storage, you don't hear anything there. You move down to the next door on the north wall. It also says personal effects storage, so obviously there's one large room to the north. And as you get down there, you hear the sounds of two people, both male, obviously also rifling through stuff and kind of muttering to each other. Not loud enough that you can make out words like stuff gets knocked on the ground. So it sounds like there's one person in the first room to the south. It sounds like there's at least two people in the large room to the north. And you also notice the door at the end of the hallway is leaking blood. You first notice it at the ground, like there's blood kind of like dripping through and then your eye traces around the door, there's then blood leaking out the sides of the door, spreading like defying gravity onto the walls, just faintly, and even at the ceiling, spreading out the top of the door and up onto the ceiling a little bit. Well, what the fuck? Blood. That's what the fuck. (laughs) 
So the four of you standing very quietly <laughs> in this very narrow hallway with the worst o- obviously place for a people fight. both north and south of you and a so wall of one, blood. One in here, the two voices were which one? Others uh, up. Uh, yeah. All right, well, let's stick with and, the plan. <laughs> we want to do something different now. If we're going to do that, then should we go through both doors at the same time? I hope it's just people. <laughs> you can, right. you do can. we want to do both at the same time, or do you want to just do the one? I suggest we do the one with two people in it. Yes. All right, I'm going to kick that door in. Do that. You get a guidance. Thank you. That gives me what? I forget. Plus one. To one, the next thing I do. Okay. So we have gathered around the easternmost door leading to the north into the personal effects storage. I don't really want to be right outside the other door that someone was in. <laughs> and since there's no way I can target anything in that room, yeah, that feels better if everybody else is okay with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <gasps> pawns! Pawns. Oh, God. Not Are good they just pawns. people? They look like just people. They don't look like people I want to hang out with, though. But, but they're if they're holding... not undead, they can be be affected by mind-affecting effects. So Grip opens the door and you see a 30 foot by 30 foot room with racks cluttered with boxes and sprawling collections of haphazard junk. There's crap all over the floor and at about 15 and 25 feet away, directly in front of Grip, are two human men in the exact same yellow stained bed sheets that you saw the guy back in the laundry room. They're rifling through stuff on these shelves. They've both got crowbars in their hands, and Grip opens that door. We've got a surprise around here. I won't make you roll initiative at the moment because we're sort of out of it, but you're right there. Gulliver is the only one that can take an action. Uh, that's going to be a 14. And you're taking a shot? Yep, at the at, closest one. At number one. And that's in your touch range? It is. And that is a hit because they're flat-footed. Flat-footed. Gun, boom, goes off. Oh, nice, for five points of damage. Oh, blast this dude right in the back. That guy is like, what the fuck was that? Bleeding blood staining his yellow sheet. Let's roll initiative. We're in combat. Yeah. Uncharacteristically high initiative roll for me. Dora. Three. And Ray. Twelve. Grip. Eighteen. Gulliver. Nine. Excellent. Round one gun explodes, echoes down this very narrow, very low-ceilinged hallway, shunting this enormous blast in all directions. You're all sort of reeling. This is the first enclosed space incident that you've had with firearms here, and it's nearly deafening. You hear a response from that room to the south, and you hear running. The door gets thrown open, and there is a woman wearing a yellow stained bedsheet holding a crowbar that is in the doorway now, just basically five feet away from Ray. So we've now got a combat on two fronts two people in the north on the personal effects storage, one person coming out of the records room. Next is Grip. Uh, so I'll just I'll move in and attack. Grip moves in 10 feet to close with number one. Or a 21. No, 22. <laughs> yeah, that's a hit. Oh, and that's max for nine oh, points yeah. of damage. Oh, whoa. All right, you clock him right in the back of the head, and he is just reeling. He is bloodied at the moment. Move, punch, and then that dude is up, spins around to face you. 
wields his crowbar and he seems to be waiting for something. Kind of a little wobbly on his feet. And then does 17 beat your CMD, my friend, as number two, who is 10 feet away, attempts to tumble past onto the other side of you. It does. <laughs> number two zips around the room so that they are both flanking grip at this point, wow. at which point number one takes his ready to action to attempt to clock grip with his crowbar. Natural 20. Oh. Backed up with a... With the plus two for flanking, a 16. Is that a hit? Just. Okay. Critical hit with a crowbar plus sneak attack damage. Oh, uh. that's never good. 13 points of damage. Oh. I'm imagining this is just like a blow right across yeah. your face with this crowbar. Well, I'm bloody. Num- number two then takes his attack. <gasps> Hitting armor class. Oh, hitting 14. So that's a miss. That's right? a miss. Okay. So number two was really focused on the tumble and does not land his crowbar below. Ray, you're up. So this one that just appeared in the doorway <laughs> yes. is within reach for me to hit with my Morningstar, yes? Because she's around the corner in this room, she would have cover against an attack from you from where you're at right now. So you could take a five foot step to be right in front of her and attack in the clear, or you could attack from where you are at, and basically her armor class would be four higher. And would I take an attack of opportunity if I move that five if feet? If all you do is move five feet, you would not. Then I'm gonna step forward, five foot step, Swinging with your morning star? Yes. <laughs> Natural one. Oh. Oh. Well, okay, you have been and are still suffering from a horrible disease. This is the first time you're back in the action here. I imagine you're probably a little uh, little wobbly on those feet. Gulliver, buddy, you're up. So can I see the yellow festooned character that tumbled around to attack my friend. He's five feet away from you, right in that doorway there, yes. So I cannot fire at him without provoking an attack of opportunity because he's five feet away from me. He is inside the doorway behind cover, so he would not get an attack of opportunity. But he has cover. But he has cover. I'm going to take my chances with the cover. Um, Right. So I'm going to, as a move action, reload and then fire. Does a 11 hit? It does not. Oh! Boom! Bullet goes flying, chinks off the wall there. Dora, you're up. Can Dora see the one that Ray is engaged with? No, I think you gotta move five feet up. But then I'm adjacent to it, but it wouldn't get an attack of opportunity on me, right? Right, because, yeah, she's behind the wall there. But for casting a spell, I would still have to make a concentration check. No, because she couldn't. She would not be she able would, to take attack of opportunity. Great, You'd then be fine. move me five feet up. Edging Dora, in next um, to Ray. Dora sees that bed sheet. The hated bedsheet. Stupid assholes with their praise and their words fail, and they're worshiping this person in this asylum who can't even stand to look at himself, and she just summons all of her cruelty, and that one should make a will save. She gets a total of 13. That's a fail. Excellent, great. So she takes three damage, but I will also spend a point of my phrenic pool to detect her thoughts. Okay, I'm. I want to make sure that this is not something you have to decide to do before you cast the spell. If the target of the linked spell fails at saving throw or is hit by the spell, Dora detected surface thoughts. But the spell has to be linked at the time that you cast it. Hmm. Look at how the phrenic pool yeah, is worded. You move on. Um, Great, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. detect your thoughts 
if, if it, we... If it works, it's great. If it doesn't... Awesome. That's a great point. Thank you. Round two begins. So we've got a fight on a couple of fronts here. Grip is sandwiched between two apostles in Orpiment. Gulliver is in the hallway blasting at one of the ones flanking Grip. And we've got both Ray and Dora taking on the third one in the records room. Number three is up. She takes a swing at Ray with her crowbar. Hitting armor class 14. Miss. Boom, probably pings right off your chainmail. She says, praise. Grip, you're up. Okay. Squished between two apostles. Aye. Not a great place to be. It's not. I'm going to take a five-foot step to there. Yeah. Oh, great. So taking a five-foot step forward so you're next to one of them with one of those big shelves at your back so they can't flank you. Good move. Yep. And then um, you see his eyes roll back into his head. Yeah. Yes. Cracks right. his neck and he takes Grudge Fighter plus two attack and damage on this one that has attacked him. And he's going to attack him. Natural 20. <gasps> yeah! Oh, could this okay. be is a be it? Is this do, I, do, I get the, do I get the confirm. same plus on the confirmation? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. 19 on the die. Critical yes. hit! Yes. <laughs> you have a grudge with him. That is awesome! <laughs> and that's, So that's just double damage, right? Yep. Roll that damage Just two times. Damage. So, uh, seven plus nine is 16. Oh, man. Your fist goes through his face, and he actually <laughs> dies because he's past negative con. Just like, <laughs> boom, right through his face. Fuck and he yes, just drops yes. to the ground. I'm going to knock that mini over because fuck that guy. <laughs> He is now difficult to ring. <laughs> <laughs> there is a giant pool of blood spreading from his disembodied Yay. head. Wow. The great. other one in the personal records room takes a five-foot step into the hallway, so he's adjacent to Gulliver, and Gulliver oh. can't fire the the boomer thing at him again. Swings with the, ooh, these guys are rolling well. That is a 22, I assume yep. that hits. Yep. So that is uh, eight points of damage, my oh. buddy, my That's buddy right. Gulliver. Ray, you're up. Taking another swing at this guy. Eight? Hey, she dodges She's out of the way. She's wearing a bed sheet. Do you want to move it all? Take a five foot step anywhere? No. Gulliver, you're up. So I can't take a five foot step backwards. You could. But then I'll be within reach of the lady in the door. Oh, She's also the around the corner. There's a doorway. Excellent. Yeah. Well, then I will take a five foot step backward. Reload the torch. And reload and fire again. How many bullets you got? I got enough right now. Okay. <laughs> You're gonna fire at the one that just attacked you, great. Yes, yes I am. For a total of 16 touch attack. Hit! For six points of oh, damage. Oh, mighty, mighty blow. He staggers backwards. Dora, you're up. <laughs> I'll just tell you what's going through my mind. I'm super <laughs> excited that the one guy is like not surrounded by any of my friends that I could actually make a ranged touch yes. attack on him. Yeah. But then that sort of leaves Ray alone with the one thing, but I don't think I can kill her with the mind touch. So I'll take a five foot step back. And is there something to throw? Is there rubble or anything less than There's Yes, there would pounds. be because there are holes in the ceiling and stuff would Great. have fallen then, down. Then yes. I will try a telekinetic projectile on against the one that Gulliver just shot. This the one who's not in combat with anybody or not in melee. Uh, 17. That's a hit. For six points of bludgeoning Whoa! damage. Damn. <laughs> so it gets shot nice. in the chest, clocked in the head with a rock, staggering, very bloodied at the moment. This is which yes. one? Number the, two. The, that one. That's the end of round 
two. Grip dropped one. Number The other one stepped in the hall and did a nasty blow on Gulliver. Ray missed. Galt took a shot. And Dora followed up with a rock. And they're pummeling against the, uh, the, the man that's still standing. The woman is up, top of round three. Takes a swing at our buddy Ray. Ray of the high armor class. 17. Miss. Oh, wow. wow. It's just, just crowbar just pinging, pinging, pinging off your chain mail. Grip, you're up. So this one, uh, he attacked me. He just didn't hit me, right? Correct. Good. Then it still counts. Nice. Still grudge fighting. Mm, for 13. How ashamed of that are you? I think we're going to level really, really soon. So I might as well use <laughs> he, he loved, like, the fact that his fist went through that other one's face <laughs> felt so good. And he wanted that so bad this time. And he's so pissed that it didn't happen. So uh, he rolled a, he got a 19, actually. Yeah. That's a oh, hit, thanks to the shame he felt at almost not doing something twice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, for six points of damage. <laughs> okay. Yeah, dead. Yes. Smash him in the face, yes. and he drops. Ray, you're up. Oh, sometimes it's just so nice when you... <laughs> when you're fighting things that yeah. you can actually kill. Yeah, oh my God, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. Ray. Oh, my God. Oh. You, you cannot... Rolling shit. That's a four on the die. That's a miss. Gulliver, you're up. You could uh, five-foot step out of the way. No. Let somebody I'm else I'm still blocking there. her from... Successfully you. taking... Yeah. All these blows. Yeah. Can I, uh, she can't reach me for where she is, but she I can. She can't take an attack of opportunity, right? I She's will, again, reload and shoot. So this is touch attack, but she's got cover. Okay, great. Got it. it and s- since she's in melee with my ally, like how much Oh, I? minus four. So it's minus four and plus cover. Four. Oh, no. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> it fires into the ceiling. <laughs> Dora, you're up. Anything Ray. this round? Yeah, I will try another mind thrust and use a point for my phrenic bolt to link the mind touch to Five it. Five foot step forward so you can see her better. Yeah. And she makes a will save. She does. Five. Fails. She takes six points of damage, and I can detect her thoughts. Ooh. Looking, if it matters, looking for... What the fuck were you guys looking in for in here? She is filled... Speaking of shame... <laughs> she is filled with this intense feeling of shame and failure that the other two found all of Zandalus's records when he sent them in here the other day. They had one job, and it was to erase all mention of Gulliver, but they have not yet found what they're looking for, and she's going to die in shame. Is there an image that comes with Gulliver? No. Just the word? Just the name. Next round. She's up. She swings at Ray. Uh, yeah, ping. <laughs> Grip, you're up. I'm going to take this opportunity to... And you do note the three of you that are lined up in the hall, not directly in front of her. So she's alone. She can see that she's alone. And she's still not backing away, away yeah. running away. She's, she's, she's just a fanatic. Be- beating at Ray with his crowbar. I am going to uh, take this opportunity to drink a potion of Cure Light Wounds. Oh, a draw a potion and drink. Uh, Excellent. Ray, you're up. I'm going to swing my morning star at her. Please hit her. I know. What's the definition of insanity again? <laughs> Twelve. I'm going to make an action point, a shame point on you that. Should, yeah. This is just yeah. a lot of shame. This, strong this has been yeah. ridiculous. Eighteen. Does hit, eighteen hit? hit. Your shame pulls you through, buddy. Thank God. And I get to roll a d8. How about that? Two points. <laughs> 
All right, she is, oh, she was bloodied before this. She's bloodied and she's reeling. Gulliver. Gulliver feels like he hasn't been doing great with his alchemical torch, so he's going to switch hands and, as a move action, draw his rapier. Uh-huh. And then stabby, stab, stab. Great. All right, she's got cover, but take that take that attack. And he's going to use, he rolled a nine, but he's going to use uh, uh, two points of inspiration to add a d6 to that roll, feeling that he could just feel like he could just get it around the corner there. It'll be better. That's going to be a total of 16. And the rapier gets caught up in the doorway, oh. and the cover <laughs> deflects the blow. Dora, you're up. I have one spell slot left. This woman is visibly wobbly on her feet. So I'm going to take a five-foot step back. Any chance of a telekinetic projectile from there? You could do it if you don't take a five-foot step back. Uh, yeah, I'll think it, then I won't. Yeah, okay. let's just try it. Great. I don't want to. I want to save one spell slot. You, so you did or did yeah, not? Yeah, so I did not take okay. a five-foot step. Great. So just take that minus four for yeah. firing into melee. Five. <laughs> Pew. <laughs> Next round, she's up. She's <laughs> determined. Smash her across the face with a morning star, and she's staring at you. Whispers, praise. Natural 20. Backed up with a <laughs> 15. They're never going to critical hit on you. Okay, but you do take three points of damage Thank from you. that crowbar. Grip, you're up. I healed six points, so Excellent. I'm not bloodied any longer. Great. But I'm in no position to do much of anything. There's a cluster around the doorway. They're fighting through and around the doorway. She's in, inside the records room, and the other three are um, gathered around Ray at the center. You can Ooh. ready in action um, to take my place. Should I tumble I through a square? I'd have to tumble through both of those, though. You don't have to tumble through. Yeah, you don't have to tumble through our squares. Oh, I can do, I can move through allies. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'd forgotten that was a thing. I mean, if they let you. Guys, would you <laughs> let me move through your space? As long as you don't touch him. <laughs> then, yeah, I'll move through and try to tumble to there. Tumble into the room next to the doorway there. Great. Yeah, so, Give me uh, that acrobatics check. 13. Unsuccessful. She swings at you with a crowbar and misses spectacularly, so you land in that position. <laughs> Great, and then I'm going to take a swing at her. Do it. She has not attacked me, so I do not get that plus. Thank you. Uh, she she did just attack you. Oh, she, oh, she did. did. I do. She did. So, <laughs> great. Um, so that would be a 13. I'm not going to use a shame point no. for this one. So you missed, but it's understandable. You were tumbling. Yeah. Ray. <laughs> Come on, buddy. <laughs> oh my god. We don't even How many need to times have you rolled a four or below? Right. Yeah, this time I rolled an eight. Okay. Gulliver, you're up. Gulliver is is again gonna like he he puts his foot on the on the door and pulls his <laughs> rapier right. out. That happened with the, the, the centipedes, right? Yep. Yeah. It's your it's your move. It is my move, yeah. Like getting this thing stuck in it something that's not alive. It used to be grazing, alive. but now, yeah. it's now it's this. this. Now it's this. Well, you know, it's... Now it's door jamming. It's a step in the right direction. It's a step in a direction. All right, that's going to be a 17, and I'm going to spend a shame point because I do feel shameful about having what gotten What just my, happened? Yeah, yeah, I feel a little embarrassed. That's going to be a 17 plus 5. Yes, that's 22. a hit. All right. That's a hit. And let's see if Finish I manage her. to do anything other than graze her. Five points of damage. And she drops. Yes! Clearing this whole little wing of the asylum here, which opens up both personal record storage to the north, and I'll reveal on the map here, sort of a 30-foot long, 10-foot, 10, 10, 15-foot wide 
records room, which has been partially ransacked. But as you start plowing through stuff, looking over uh, the records that you can find, there is, unlike in the priest's office, where all of the things were obscured, no names were mentioned, this is incredibly well organized. And you're actually able to find four personal files, one for each of you. First, you discover this. I'm handing a file to Robert here. Should I read this? I think you should. Patient record, Gruk Riptusk, a.k.a. Riptusk the Grey. Male, half-orc, of likely human descent, unknown ethnicity. Kellet, Talden, approximate age 25 to 35. Six foot nine inches tall, approximately 300 pounds. Grey-green skin, yellow eyes, green hair, duh. Muscular build, thank you very much. Extensive arm tattoos, crude, tribal. Unidentified brand on back of neck. Serpent, river. Home, Thrushmore, Versix County. Committed, 15 Lamashan, 4718. Circumstances, employee of Count Hazerton Pragmus Lowell's IV, ruler of Versex County. Committed after fallen into amnesiac fugue state of unknown origin. No known family or next of kin. Warning from Count Lowell's, extremely dangerous. Heavy restraints recommended. Attending Dr. Erish Chawar. Brought to the asylum with four other individuals, all employees of the Count, in identical condition. Patient has lost all memory and exists in a walking fugue state, completely unaware of his surroundings. He is catatonic and unable to care for himself in any way. Yet he can walk, stand, sit, lie down, etc. when directed to do so. Physically non-responsive to any stimulant yet applied. Treatment. Observation for now. Dr. Chawar will recommend a regiment of treatment after study. Development. 16 Lamashan 4718. Patient was observed by head nurse Deliade to mutter, destroy them in the Taldane tongue repeatedly overnight. Restraints were doubled. This comes up next. Patient record. Braden. Vaticus. Male. Human of possible Kellid descent, 22 years old, 6 feet tall, approximately 190 pounds, black hair, medium length, green eyes, slender build, evidence of extensive corporal mortification, suffers from physical wasting disease of unknown origin, confirmed not leprosy. Good. Home, Thrushmore, Versix County. Committed, 15, Lamashan, 4718. Circumstances employee of Count Hazerton Pragmus Lowells IV, ruler of Versus County, committed after falling into amnesic fugue state of unknown origin. Biological Biological son of patients Vaticus G and Antea T. Warning from Count Lowell's highly contagious, unconfirmed. Quarantine recommended. Attending doctor, Eliege Lissandro. Brought to the asylum with four other individuals, all employees of the Count in identical condition. Fears of patients' physical ailments and their potential communicability should be neither stoked nor ignored. 
This one is a priority. Treatment TBD. Development. Patient was heard speaking a short phrase by an unknown language repeatedly overnight. So the first record of your biological parents that you find, Ray, is this. Patient record, Tima Antea. Female, Asimar, of human descent, likely Kelid, approximately aged 45 to 50. Five foot nine tall, approximately 135 pounds, golden olive skin, silver, hair, long, violet eyes. Give it to me. Give it to me, please. It's mine. His hand's shaking as he hands it over and he stares at her. Extensive discoloration of unknown origin on posterior of entire body. Eye brand on back of neck, unknown origin. Home, Thrushmore, Versex County. Committed 15 Lamachan for 4718. The employee of Count Hazerton Pragmas Lulls IV, ruler of Versex County, committed after falling into amnesiac fugue state of unknown origin. Wife to patient Vaticus G, and biological mother to patient Vaticus B. Warning from Count Lowell's possibly contagious, unconfirmed quarantine recommended. Attending Dr. Arash Chua. Development. Patient was heard speaking the word remember in the Taldane tongue repeatedly overnight in multiple voices to question mark. This is what we dig up for Gulliver Vaticus. Patient record, Gulliver Vaticus. Male, human of Arethian descent, approximate age 53-57. Six feet tall, approximately 180 pounds. Olive skin, graying dark hair long and beard, long. Green eyes, slender build. Home, Thrushmore, employee of Count Hazerton, Pragmas. Lowell's fourth ruler of Verthix, committed after falling into amnesiac fugue state of unknown origin, biological father to patient Vatican B. Warning from Count Lowell's, put his gear in secure lockdown, highly dangerous to untrained meddlers. And that's the rest that's not boilerplate with everyone else. Approximate age, 53 to 57. Six feet tall, 180 pounds, olive skin, salt and pepper, gray hair and beard, green eyes, slender build. That was the man that died on the table in chapter one. End of chapter 15. What the fuck is going on? I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where we left the characters and our players for quite some time. If you're listening at this point, you are obviously invested to one degree or another. So I hope you'll indulge me here for a brief sidebar about us and where this episode fell in the history of making Dark Nexus. So in our timelines, a major life event happened right here, right after we recorded Chapter 15. 
Everything you have heard up till now was recorded way, 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 way back, nearly three years ago now, just before the COVID lockdown started. Now, of course, everybody has had a different experience of this pandemic. Some folks' lives were barely or only briefly disrupted, depending on where they lived and the health of their families. Uh, others, not so much. Uh, long story short, it wasn't until a year and a half later that we were able to get back together and record the rest of Act One, which we did now well over a year ago. Yeah, in fact, we, we'd planned to launch back in 2021, but more life stuff intervened and made that impossible. So it's, it's kind of wild what this project has turned into for us. For you, the listener, it's going to be one long, ongoing experience, which is what we always wanted it to be, of course. But for us, it's been this wild series of time capsule snapshots of specific moments in our lives separated by the gulf of years. The players who started playing Dora and Ray and Grip and Gull were different people, two years older than the people who first put those characters on paper when we started working on this way back in 2018. Uh, the people you'll hear soon in Chapter 16 will be different people, separated by time and a pandemic, from the people you just heard in Chapter 15. And in a few months, you'll be able to hear us all in Act 2, now also different versions of ourselves. I share this for a couple of reasons. Number one, I just think it feels it feels thematically relevant to this project that we as players are also interacting with the stories of different versions of ourselves, separated by time and incident, just as the characters are. We've tried our hardest to keep the way we play and tell this story consistent. But if you notice any differences between how things feel and sound in the next block of episodes, you'll, you'll have some insight into why. And number two, if we were to have been stuck on a pause for so long, it ended up being fortuitous that it was at this moment. It's a, it's a nice cliffhanger. Like I said up top, this turned into our mid-season finale of sorts. In fact, the episode that comes next was not something I had originally planned to do at this point. But... After life intervened, it felt like the only uh, right and proper place to do it. And honestly, all of this is just one of the many things I find so magical about this kind of storytelling, playing games like this. The game designer shapes part of the story. The GM shapes and changes part of the story. The players shape and change the story. Uh, the dice wildly impact and alter the trajectory of the story in ways that nobody can predict. And then sometimes life events out of anybody's control also can have a lasting impact on the story and the way it's told. And the, the collaboration between all of these people and all these factors run through the mill of time results in a story that could never have been created by any one of those people alone. It will never be replicated by anybody else running this adventure path and will always be unique to us and what we all lived through and the people we grew to become. It's, it's pretty neat. And, and honestly, after 15 episodes, it's really great that you're still here sharing it with us. We appreciate each and every one of you more than we can say. The Rob of the past is about to travel like 16 or 17 months forward in time. The Rob of the present is going to keep working on getting our second podcast project, our Patreon-exclusive adventure, on its feet so that we can share that with you too. And both of us 
We'll be talking to you very soon. Thanks so much. Dark Nexus is a creation of Plug and Hum Productions. This podcast uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Incorporated, which are used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. This podcast is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo Inc. For more information about Paizo's community use policy, please visit paizo.com slash community use. And for more information about Paizo and Paizo products, please visit paizo.com. That's P-A-I-Z-O dot com. Dark Nexus uses music and soundscapes by Sirenscape. Check them out at sirenscape.com. That's S-Y-R-I-N-S-C-A-P-E dot com. Opening and closing themes along with additional music composed by Rob Kozlarik. Artwork for Dark Nexus is by Matt Walquist. Special thanks to Toy, without whose generosity this project would not have been possible. And thanks to DMCP, Richard and Ari, Paul and Shannon, Chris, Scotty, Jason, Jess, Joe, Chelsea, Matt, Dave, Darren, and everyone we've gamed with over the years for all the memories and inspiration. Did we level? Ha, 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 ha.